Well, if you have your Bibles, open up to Mark chapter 2. The Gospel of Mark in the second chapter. And uh, this morning, I just share, I don't know if I'd call this a vision, but I named it the vision. Praise the Lord. I think you'll find out what I mean in just a moment. Mark chapter 2. Father, this morning as we come to your word, we thank you for every promise, every provision that you've made to us in your word. Father, we thank you that you've sealed it and secured it through the life and the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you today that we truly are the redeemed of the Lord. Father, we thank you that every man, woman, and child on the face of this earth can call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ And they can be saved. They can be born again. Their life can be renewed. They can be transformed and conformed into the image of your son. They receive the promise of life eternal with you. The fear of death is broken off of every life. They are set free from every weight, every yoke of bondage. Because of the victory that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ secured for us over the devil at Calvary. He conquered him. He made an open display of his destruction. So we thank you for the faith and the liberty that we have through Christ today, and we bless you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to speak to our lives in a fresh, new, and in an invigorating way, something that stirs us, shakes us, and moves us to a place and a purpose that we've never walked in before. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So if you would, look at the cover of your outline first. And I just put down here the vision of 2015 and that we would make this a year for anything faith. And meaning by that, two weeks ago when I preached at the beginning of the year, I talked about the law of reciprocity. And the law of reciprocity just simply means that what you do when you engage something, it causes a response back to you. Every promise in the Bible basically is connected to the word if, where God says, if you do this, I will do this, or I will do this if you do this. And so there's something that we engage. It's just like when it comes to our giving, God says, if you bring all the tithes and the offering into the storehouse, I will open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you cannot contain if you give it shall be given back unto you there are so many different things that god said and so many promises that we would call basically conditional but it's conditional connected to that law of reciprocity that god respond in like back to us and anytime god responds it's always greater than our response amen I love that. Praise the Lord. So Mark chapter 2, and I have verses 3 and 4 in your outline, but I'm going to read beginning at verse 1. And he entered Capernaum, and after some days it was heard that he was in the house, or Jesus kept a house, that Capernaum or Capernaum was his actual base of ministry, he based, he traveled out of there, he'd go out, then he'd come back, he'd go out and he'd come back, and you would hear that he was in the house, and uh, a lot of people go, oh, Jesus was a vagrant and stuff, no, he wasn't. He said to the man, well, well, yeah, but he said the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He meant that he wasn't giving earthly things here. If you're looking for something, if you're looking for inheritance, if you're approaching God just based on what he can do for you on an earthly measure, that isn't why Jesus came. Amen. He told Herod, he said, my, or Pilate, he says, my kingdom if not, is not of this world. So what I came was to establish the kingdom of God in men's heart. But he did have a base there and a place of operation. 
And so that him and his disciples would stay at. Verse 2, immediately many gathered together so there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Amen? So when people came to Jesus, he just preached the word. It's awesome what happens if we put value back on the word. Amen. Then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. But some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God? And he immediately, when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise, take up your bed, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, take up your bed and walk, and go your way to your house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went in the presence of them all, so that all were, were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Now, I want to submit to you that we could make 2015 a year where people come to church and leave and say, hey, we never saw anything like this. And that we actually can literally be doing, as we talked about Tuesday night, if you were here, we talked about literally doing the same works that Jesus did. We, we have a very definite and affirmative promise from the Lord that as the believers, that for every person who believes, we can ask in His name and receive according to the same works that He did. Amen? So I believe this could be a year for anything faith. So follow me. Here's the question. Is it possible to have a season, a year, or even a lifetime where we live by faith and believing anything is possible in answer to prayer? I believe it is. All it requires is proper pursuit. That's all it requires. In fact, we're going to find out that Jesus there. Isn't it amazing that Jesus didn't pray for the man on the bed? He didn't go up and pray, Father, I, I ask you to heal this man today. He said, get up and walk. Amen? And so there's something about how we pray and the way we pray and then how we act on the Word of God that sometimes we just need a little bit of adjustment, just a paradigm shift, and it will change everything. If we would literally take Jesus at His Word, this year would be an amazing year. Go with me to Luke chapter 8, if you would. Or 18, excuse me, Luke 18. And Jesus, after speaking to the rich young ruler and everybody's concerned about who can be saved and explaining salvation, he ends in verse 27 explaining to his disciples when they say, who can be saved? In verse 27, Jesus says, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. I mean, no, that's a great promise. Jesus just, lit listen, when Jesus makes declarations, it's important to take them seriously. 
If God made sure that these things got recorded in the Bible that he's preserved throughout all these millenniums to get into our hands today, that we would have this in our hands today, then it's important to understand that this applies to you and to to me. Amen? So he says, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. God, if we would take him literally, God, you said all things are possible. We sang that song, Darlene Check and Hill song, got famous singing the song, all things are possible. And we love to sing songs, but after we sing the song, we need to do the words that we sang in the song. Amen. Amen. His life is the confirmation to us that God would keep his word and perform it. When you look at the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, his life, his birth, his life that he lived, his death, his burial, and his resurrection confirmed to us that was God has declared he will perform. Jump down in chapter 18 there to verse 31 and look at what he says. He says this, Then he took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we are going to Jerusalem and all things. Everybody say all things. All things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. So here the Lord says to his disciples, we are going to Jerusalem and everything that has been written about me, that's been prophesied about me, is going to come to pass. Amen. And so the word, so when we look at the Lord Jesus Christ, He is the confirmation to it. When I believe on the Lord as my Savior, He is the confirmation that everything God has spoken concerning us will come to pass as well. Amen? He went everything He did for Jesus to come and to go, for, for Him to walk, to even go to Calvary, and to give Himself to the cross, He had to believe. He put his, when he's agonizing in prayer at Gethsemane, he's laying his life down believing that God is going to fulfill what he said. Amen. And sometimes it can feel like you're laying your life on the cross to obey God. Which is why he said, let us count the cost and pick up our cross and follow him. We can have a year and a life where we live and see the answers to our prayers by faith. I believe we can have that. It is his promise to us, made to us. What if we made our vision for 2015 and for our life to see his promise fulfilled through us? What if it came down to that? What about if the promise of God, Jesus came and he lived so that the word of God could be fulfilled through him? He said, everything that's been spoken about me is going to be fulfilled. I'm living to fulfill God's word through my life. If we just shifted that, I'm going to live to fulfill God's word through our life. I believe for every one of us, there's a portion in our life, in our sphere, in the influence that we have of God's word that is ordained to be fulfilled through our life. And if we live and agree by that, what if we do this? What if we begin with an increase in our personal devotions? I know I need to step it up. Praise the Lord. Think about it. In a deeper and more personal level than ever before, knowing that it will take prayer and fasting to get the results that we are believing for. So what's that mean? If I'm going to do that, in fact, I'm a little bit ahead of myself, but we just sang that song. We like the end of the song, I was made for war. Okay. But it starts out with, we return to you. With fasting, weeping, and mourning. 
No, wait a minute, let's skip that and get to I was made for war. Amen. I just want to do the fast. And then act like I got the victory. But without the fasting, the weeping, and the mourning, there won't be any do-do-do-do. Amen. Now, wait a minute. And it says, we lie here weeping between the porch and the altar. Amen. If you pronounce a church service, this Sunday we're gathering and we're going to lie on the floor and weep and cry out to God until he moves. Four people would show up at church. First of all, people say, you know what? I'm not lying on no floor. Who knows where people's feet have been there? Amen. Either God's bigger than your germs or your germs are bigger than your God. We got phobias that are bigger than God's ability. Amen. So think about it. But, but that's it. So, so we, if, if we're going to do this in our personal devotion, we need to know that it's going to take prayer and fasting to get the results that we are believing for. Which is why when you look at the life of Jesus, they would find him in prayer. And I said it Tuesday night that people would come to find Jesus and the disciples would go, well, where is he? We just, where'd he go? Oh, he's off doing that prayer thing. And they would go find him. He would seclude. He would go away. He'd be up early in the morning. He'd be praying all night. He would send them away on the boat. And he would stay on the hill and pray afterwards and stay there. And so he was in prayer. And then when he would come out of a prayer, here he is walking in this power. And he's trying to teach them. And finally they get it. And they go, Lord, teach us to pray. And so he begins teaching them and instructing them. Praise the Lord. Secondly, what if we would place the needs of others ahead of our own? That is not a slogan for America today. You live in a culture that refuses to identify with that statement. We live in a culture that says this is what we will do. We will take from others to satisfy the needs of our own. And so we have politicians. I heard just a blurb on the news this morning that President Obama is going to now, that he's going to tax the wealthy to give a tax break to the middle class. He's going to raise increase. He's going to increase all these areas so he can give something away, but he's not, he's taking to give. And so people have a mindset. I don't give it myself. I take from others to get for myself. And so, but in the kingdom of God, it is that you give of yourself to others. Amen. The Bible even says, Jesus said, give to everyone who asks, expecting nothing in return. In America today, you have to promise people they're going to win the lottery every time they put $3 in the offering. Some of you get that later. Amen. That's God, if I don't get $300 back for my $3 offering, I'm keeping it. I'm believing for the hundredfold return. Amen. Why don't you just gave for a soul? Amen. So we think about it. So what if we place the needs of others ahead of our own? To pray for them, to believe for them, to carry them, interceding for them, giving for them, using our faith for them. What about this? What if we purpose this year to live full of the Spirit, to walk in Him, be led by Him, be taught by Him, comforted by Him, and emboldened and empowered by Him to do the works? And then what if we prayed, God, use me to make a difference right here in El Dorado County. It's amazing that when the Lord uh, uh, told them they were going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and receive power, the place he told them to start 
when they're emboldened with power and endued with power is to start at home. So what if we started right here? God, use me in my church. God, use me in my city. And then he would launch it out. So he said, do it in Jerusalem. And then go out to Judea. And then go to Samaria. And then go to the uttermost parts of the earth. But we always begin right at that locale where we are. And we begin there. We walk in it there. And then God expands the borders of our influence for his glory. To understand what it truly means to care would be a goal for our life. To engage in the law of reciprocity. To believe to see answers to what I pray and ask for in the name of Jesus. For me, this is going to be my goal in 2015. You're going to hear me talking about care. You're going to hear me talking about reciprocity. We're going to be pushing on prayer and taking prayer to a new level. I believe that it will turn and that in turn it will have a reshaping effect on the rest of my life. Those three areas, really learning what it means to care, to connect with one another, really learning what it means to operate in the law of reciprocity, and giving myself to prayer in a greater measure than ever before, won't just give a good year, it can reshape your entire life. That's what I mean. So it's a vision, but it's more than just a simple vision. God, this is what we can do. We're going to do this, do that. Okay, cool. We need those kind of things. We need some planning and some activity. But more than that, we need true transformation within our own lives. Amen? So let me give it to you again. What does it mean to care? To care is connection, awareness, resource, and encouragement. It is important that we care enough to connect with one another, becoming aware of what is happening in the lives of others, and to seek the resources through prayer to provide an answer with the expected end and the desire to bring encouragement to those we are connected with. What does that mean? What if we really became connected as a church? We have people this last couple of weeks. We have Ed Muskowski who, who, who is battling lung disease and has been going through things. We, we have little Lauren who's been battling things for a long time and, 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 and needs support and help around him. We just had gallbladder surgery. We, we, we have little Brandon, uh, Jackie Finley's friend, who wins. He had final surgery. We have people going through things that are part of our body and we just come in and pass by and there's no connection. It's not enough that you have to go clean their house cook their food, do all that. No, but what if you were connected to pray? To know to pray, to, to begin with prayer and be in contact with one another instead of coming in to receive and going out about our own business, but literally connecting one with another, caring for one another, bearing one another's burden. But we'll find here that some very interesting things happen. So we're there expecting them to receive encouragement. And that is what these four men did. I read that scripture because we see here comes four men and they're carrying their brother by faith. They're connected to this guy. They're aware of his need. And so they're seeking to find a resource and an answer to the circumstance in his life. And they actually do what it takes to get him there. Amen. And then he gets an answer and everybody goes home encouraged. It is awesome. Amen. What an amazing way to live. Think about it. Their action posed the questions to us. Do we care enough? Do we carry others in prayer? And indeed. And so a lot of people, today it's easy to say, I'm praying for you. So as long as I said I'm praying for you, that ends my responsibility. But how many know it's not just prayer, it takes action and connection to make things happen in somebody else's lives. Amen? And so they don't just pray for their brother, 
They begin to act in deed. He did not receive by their prayers alone. That paralyzed man didn't get healed just because they prayed for him. He got healed by their connected actions. Amen. Then think about it. The Lord responded to their faith for their friend. Here's this guy. They didn't ask him, brother, do you believe the Lord could heal you? I don't even know if, if he wanted to go. He doesn't even say whether he volunteered, whether he asked him to take him. But they said, hey, this is our brother. We're concerned by him. We're going to get him to his answer. But he can't get there on his own. The only way he will receive is that we are connected. And through our connection, we're aware about it. And then we choose to be a part of the resource. We choose to become the resource that gets his answer. So he gets up off the bed of discouragement and despair and uselessness. And has a productive whole life. And lives encouraged in God. I'm going to do that. And that's what they said. And the Lord, I love that statement. The Lord, seeing their faith, said to him. And what happens is, is God, I want you to see my faith for other people. I want others to receive because of my faith. I want to learn to have the kind of faith that gets answers for others from the resource of heaven. Somebody should say amen. Amen. So look about it. Think about it. He was saved and he was healed because they allowed the need of another to place a demand upon their faith. His, they allowed his need to place a demand upon their faith. Let, let me give you an illustration. And, and I know Ed's not here, here this morning, but Ed Muskowski, he's here at this place. He's 69 years of age. He, he has lung cancer from smoking and doing other things. But how many know God is a God of forgiveness and restoration? So we can either agree with the doctors, there's no hope, there's nothing you can do, and blah, 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 and just accept and just start planning his funeral. Or we can say, hey, God, we will petition you for his life that's 69 years of age is too young to die. That he deserves more than just another couple weeks, another few months, or something else like that. So I'm going to engage my faith. You know what? I'm going to quit praying for my own job, for my own health, for my own needs, for my own life, for my own kids. I'm going to carry a friend to the presence of Jesus. I'm going to take somebody to their answer. So they allowed the need of another to place a demand upon their faith, and he received his answer. Hear me, connection produces the awareness that causes us to look for the resource to bring encouragement as an answer. Prayer is the place where we have been given access to the provision of heaven to do the works of Jesus, and even greater works. It's not just, hey, you guys get to do some of this stuff. Every now and then you'll get to it. No, he said, the works that you do, I do, you will do also and greater. When we connect with others and become aware of the need in their life, it causes us to pray. How many know an answer for a lung is beyond what you have in your possession? So you're going to have to pray to connect to a power greater than your ability. And so we pray and seek the resource of heaven as the answer that will bring encouragement to their life. John chapter 14, I put it there in your Bible, verses 12 through 14 from the Living Bible. It says this, And I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater work, because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask anything 
in my name. You can ask anything in my name. Hear me. You can ask anything in my name. Come on. I'm not even trying to make it up. People go, are you a faith preacher? No, I'm just a Jesus word preacher. Jesus literally said that you can ask anything in his name. You know, there, there's areas in me, and, and, and what I'm fighting against is that as I'm at this stage in my life and, and having a lot of years behind me in ministry and stuff, is how do I stir myself up with the same zeal, the same passion, the same craziness for God that I had in the beginning? That I end the same way I began. Amen? Not being drawn in and fashioned by this world, but stir something up in you. It won't happen without you and I personally going after it. These are things nobody can lay hands on you for. This isn't something God's going to... These are things that we have to stir up in our lives. Amen? And it even behooves us, even those of us that, that, that are my age, we're middle age and beyond, and in dealing with that, the Bible says the older are supposed to teach the younger, which means that the, the younger are supposed to still look at old men and old women who are still producing fruit, as Psalms 92 says, in their old age. You will still flourish, and you will still be productive, and you will still produce fruit in your old age. Amen? And so taking God at His word and living by that, it's important for us to do that. But it isn't going to happen because unless you stir yourself, next time you sit down to read, you'll just go into nap mode. No, anyway, you get that later. Praise the Lord. So Jesus said, you can ask anything in my name and I will do it. Now what? So that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Now what? Let me just help you with this in understanding. Listen to what Jesus said. We get intimidated by asking anything in his name. But he says, here's the connection. It's important for you to understand. Because I've come, you and I are now going to be in connection. I'm going to be in you. You are going to be in me. And I'm going to do the work through you. Jesus said it like this. It is the Father in me who does the work. We get intimidated by, am I going to have to do the work? I don't know how to. No, we just agree that God lives in us. And that in us, he will do the work. Look at what Jesus just said. You can ask anything in my name and I will do it. So when you ask, who's doing it? He is. So your part is the asking. His part is the doing. But it takes a leap of faith to ask, expecting him to do. That's the challenge. Are you with me? And that's where prayer and fasting come in. Because prayer and fasting brings you to the place where you and I were growing in relationship and fellowship with the Father. That our hearts are becoming one. And we lose all of our questions and our doubt by being in fellowship. You can ask me things about my wife because her and I are intimate. We are connected. We fellowship. We know one another. And that's the way we're supposed to know God. You're supposed to know His heart. You're supposed to be able to recognize recognize his voice out of a multitude of voices somebody ought to say amen so think about it so i will do it that the son may bring glory to the father yes ask for anything in my name he repeats it again and i will do it hallelujah and so the disciples finally get it goes me to acts chapter three 
If you followed a disciple before the crucifixion, they kind of bounced in, bounced out, bounced in, got it for a moment, didn't get it for a moment. When we taught on the law of reciprocity a few weeks ago, we taught about Jesus being on the Mount of Transfiguration and the man bringing his disciples, uh, bringing to his disciples his son who was demon-possessed. And he said, I brought my son to your disciples, and they could not cast him out. They had previously cast out devils, and they had previously used the name of Jesus, but something had happened to them. They had slipped in something kind of mode where they were just content to watch Jesus do ministry now and they were no longer participating with him in the ministry and the demand that was placed upon them because people thought through their association they they should be able to produce what they're you have to understand a disciple and a rabbi contact is that you're being trained to do and to know and to function exactly like the one who is teaching you to perform all the same duties that he performed. So if you guys are his disciples and he's mentoring you and he's discipling you, then you should have some of the same goods. Are you with me? And so they come expecting, and so they get embarrassed, and that's what's happened to the church. We talk about God, we believe about God, we're content, but then we go away and we end up embarrassed, and because of failure, we give up on attempt. But look what happens to Peter and John, chapter 3 and verse 1, Acts 3 and verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate, of the temple which is called beautiful to ask alms from those who entered. So who seeing Peter and John about to go in the temple asked for alms. Fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Listen to what Peter said. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do give you, have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now I submit to you, that is praying in Jesus' name. I said it Tuesday night. We think praying in Jesus' name is punctuating the end of our prayer with in Jesus' name. Praying in Jesus' name is doing exactly what he said. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Peter said, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And immediately, Jesus did what he asked. Are you with me? Go with me to Acts chapter 9. Or, or, or just turn the page to uh, chapter 4 there, but go to verse 16 first, verse six, 4, 16, Acts 4, 16. Peter given an account. So we know that immediately strength came to the man's head. They'll go leaping and dancing, praising, rejoicing. Everybody notice, hey, that's a lame guy. What happened? How'd this happen? Look at chapter 3 and verse 16. I said 4, but chapter 3 and verse 16. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you now see and hear. Yes, the faith which comes through him, the faith which comes through him has given him perfect soundness in the presence of you all. So it is his name and faith in his name. His name and faith in his name. Now, here's, here's our challenge for 2015. We can read this, we can agree with this in church, and then just go right on about our lives with no change. 
or else I can say, wait a minute, 2015 is going to be a year when I'm going to learn how to pray in the name of Jesus. Meaning that when I ask, I receive my answer. I'm not just going to put Jesus as a big period on the end of my prayer. I'm not going to punctuate the end of my prayer with the name of Jesus. I'm going to ask believing that I receive. I'm going to take God at his word. And that means I'm going to have to spend some time seeking God in a way that I haven't sought him before. There have to be some adjustments, some changes, some paradigm shifts to my perspective in order for me to get the performance that God's word declares we should be seeing. Somebody say amen. Amen. Go with me if you would to Acts chapter 9. Let's see it again. Acts chapter 9. Peter is at Joppa in verse 36. And there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Since Lydia was near Joppa and the disciples heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he had come, they brought him to the upper room, and all the widows stood by by him weeping showing the tunics and garments with Dork, which Dorcas had made while she was with him but Peter put them all out you might want to underline that in your Bible if you're going to live by faith there's going to be some people you're going to have to put out of your presence I'm sorry But you can't embrace everything and every idea and every concept and every person and doubt and everything when you're trying to live by faith Sometimes some people have to be put out at certain times. And turning to the, and Peter put them all out and knelt down and prayed. Now watch this. He puts them all out and then he kneels down and prays. And after he prays, he gets up and he says to the body. See, what we would do is we would go to the body and we'd be praying over the body. Oh, Father, I believe, Father, I believe, and we're praying over the body. But praying in Jesus' name is not praying over things. Peter didn't pray for the lame man, and he is not praying over this body. He prayed, and then rising up out of prayer, he got his answer in prayer, and he prayed until he knew. And then he got up and he spoke. And Jesus did it. Are you with me? Turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. Wow. Want another one? Go with me to Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14, verse 6. There's a threat on Paul's life and those that are with him for preaching the gospel. If you go back to verse 3, they stayed there a long time in Iconium, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders being done by their hands. Verse 6. They became aware of the threat that was against them and fled to Lystra and Derbe and cities of Lyconia and to the surrounding region. And they were preaching the gospel there. 
And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking. Paul observing him intently, seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand up on your feet. Oh. And he leaped and walked. Wow. So watch. If we don't believe this is for us, then we might as well go become Catholics. And I mean that by this. Because that's why you have the St. Peter and you have St. Paul because these guys were saints and they had special uh, dispensation and special attributes from God so we glorified them. Oh, they were powerful. They were, no, if anybody asks in my name, anybody asks in my name, no, that was just for them. Well, just get little emblems and wear them around your neck and, and pray to these guys to start asking for you. They can't because they're dead. Are we doing all right? Now, wait a minute. Sometimes we talk about other religions. We make funny stints of people, you know, and mock and criticize and say, oh, how could they do that? How could they pray to the saint? Well, if you don't pray with the same power of the people that they've made saint and you don't believe it is for you, then you're as impotent as they are. Was that really real? I don't know, but that's what I feel. Amen. If I'm reading my Bible... Amen? Because these are just, Paul just got saved, and, and here he is believing God. And Paul, who spent time, he says, I didn't confer with flesh and blood. Here's our problem. We've spent too much time conferring with flesh and blood. And we've not spent enough time on the backside of the desert or in an isolated place being taught of the Lord. But you come out of being taught of the Lord and having go read your Bible and go read your history. Every man and woman of God that ever isolated themselves gave themselves to a greater level of devotion and intimacy with God. They walked in a greater level with God than people who were around them in their day and their hour. There were things that they put out of the rooms where they were, out of the lives that they were associated with, and they walked in a greater power because of that. When Jesus fed the multitudes and worked miracles and met needs through connection and awareness, it was always from from and through the resource of heaven, and the people were always encouraged. He has made that resource available to us. Many times, though, we're afraid to connect because and become aware because we can only see the limited resource of what's in our hand. You know, what if I have to connect? What if I have to give? You know, I, I'm barely paying my bills. What if God asked me to give? No, he's not asking you to use your resource just like Jesus didn't ask you to do the work. He said, if you'll, if you'll believe and ask, I will do it through you. If you'll believe and give, I will give through you. Amen. So think about it. We're afraid if we try to provide the resource of their need, we won't be encouraged and they will be discouraged and we'll feel like we failed. When we care and connect with people according to the promise revealed in God's word, he will release the resource of heaven to meet every need and to the same works as he did and even greater. 
God will always make sure that there's more than enough left over to supply for everybody's need. What did he show his disciples in John 6 when he fed the multitude? Hey, look, guys, give me what you have, and 12 baskets will be left over. After you feed a multitude, there'll be more than enough left over for you. 2 Corinthians 9, we read it. God is able to make all grace abound towards you. Amen? So watch this. We cannot live big by thinking small. As a man thinks in his heart, Proverbs tells us, so is he. If I have a small heart, I will have a small life. If I enlarge my heart to care for others, I will have a large life. How many would agree? Think about it. The youth have changed their name to Rise Student Ministry. Their slogan is living outside the lines. I like it. Getting outside the lines of just my life. I love it. To live outside the lines of our lives, our needs, desires, and ambitions, to truly lay our lives down for the needs of others, takes more than a name change, though. Amen? It'll take more than a name change, a catchy slogan. What'll it take? It literally takes a life change. Let me close with these thoughts on prayer. Prayer that gets an answer. By next Sunday... On this portion of the wall over here, there's going to be a prayer wall up here. Eli, I want you, can you put up one of those pictures? It'll be, it, it just, the idea is kind of coming from here, that there'll be a prayer wall there, and prayer requests will be going up on there, and we'll be able to pray over those. So it'll take up that, most of the section of that wall on that side right there. We'll have tags like that, and, and ours will be designed similar to that with tags that you can hang on there and write your request on. And then right here on this wall... Is going to be answers. And so we're going to make our request known to God. We're going to believe that we receive. And when we get an answer, we're going to take it off of there. And we're going to put it over here. And we're going to believe God that before long, this wall is going to be filled with answers. And when people come into this church, say, what do you guys believe? We believe in prayer that gets answered. We believe in prayer that gets answered. We believe in prayer that whatsoever you ask in my name, I will do it. And we have the confirmation. These are the answers. We're not just preaching about it. We're actually living about it. Amen? Hallelujah. So there'll be a wall that'll be there. The Lord God has given me, Psalms 15 verse 4 through 5 says, The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He wakeneth me morning by morning. He wakeneth mine ear to hear as to learn. The Lord has opened my ear. I was not rebellious, neither did I turn away. What do I mean by that? We must listen to the, to, before we can speak with the language and in the voice that God can hear. We have to let God teach us how to pray, how to speak. He reveals His will and instructs us on how to ask through His Word spoken and revealed to our heart. How many know there's something different about God's Word revealed to you versus us just reading the Bible? It's, either, it's good. We need to do that. You need to do the discipline of just reading, but then sometimes when you're reading, the Word comes alive and speaks. And it's those words that give us and empower us to pray and get results. Praise the Lord. The Living Bible says it like this. <coughs> Excuse me. The Sovereign Lord has given me His words of wisdom so that I know how to comfort the weary. 
Morning by morning he awakens me and opens my understanding to his will. Amen. James says, if you ask anything according to his will, if we ask anything according to his will, what Isaiah is saying here, that God will awaken us and he will speak to us and reveal his will to us so that we can pray and we can speak to others and see the performance of his revealed will. Amen? The sovereign Lord has spoken to me and I have listened. I have not rebelled or turned away. Hear me, there's a vital connection between God's word and our prayers. Bill, can you come back to the keyboard, please? One person said it like this. It actually was a new convert. He said, I pray and I speak to the Father. I read and my Father speaks to me. Before we pray, it is important that we learn from God's word what the Father has requested for us to ask. Or the word prepares us to pray effectively and to receive what we pray for. I put you like, in America, when people hear, you can ask what you will and it will be done, immediately their thoughts go to their lower base nature. Oh, I can ask for better things. And I said it Tuesday night, I'll, I'll repeat it again tonight. God never gave us the power of his name just to ask for things. He gave us the power of his name to ask for the anything. That are connected to his works. How many know anything God could give you. Pales in comparison. To rise. Stand on your feet and walk. To take up your bed and walk. Pales in comparison. Praying for God to give us something new. Something better that is perishable. Would pale in comparison to saying Tabitha. Arise. Amen? Just a thought. So before we pray, it's important that we learn from God's word what the Father has required for us to ask. Or the word prepares us to pray effectively and to receive what we pray for. The proof of true prayer is not just being engaged in the activity. We haven't prayed because we've done it. It is in receiving the answer to what we prayed for. It does no good to put a prayer wall over here and just have requests and never see answers. That's why it's important to put, as I, as I was considering, I said, we need to have a place where we put it. How are we going to know when we get an answer? We're going to put them up there as tags. And if you put a prayer request up there, you need to remember what nail you put your request on. Write it down. Put it in the front of your Bible, something. I put it on, on the fourth nail, on the fourth panel. And so what we're going to do, there's going to be five panels over here. One will say, in the middle will say salvation. So people that you're praying for to be saved. And then there will be healing. Amen? And then there will be families and marriages. And then there will be provision that's needed in people's lives. And then over here we can pray for our friends and people that we have relationship with. Amen? People who have needs and necessities in their life. People that we should be carrying. Amen. So out of those areas, then we pray, and somebody got an answer, and we bring the answer and hang it over here. Wait a minute, God is answering prayer. And I tell you, people's faith will come alive. Amen. Amen. So it's not just the activity. If we're just busy with no answers, and that's kind of what we, we think, well, as long as I'm busy doing it, no, we want to do it to get the answer. We want to receive the answer. That's what Jesus said. Listen, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. We have to be after the do it part. 
the receiving it part. Prayer is not a monologue. It is a dialogue. Amen? Hearing God's voice in response to my voice is the most important part. Hearing God speak back, that's why we say when we teach on prayer, take a notepad with you when you go to pray. When you do your devotion, have something to write down. I thought back over this last year, last year at Christmas, my, my family bought me my, my iPad and stuff, and I have a little keyboard for it, so every time I'm, I'm listening, I used to write notes, and I had paper notes all over, so I look at my notes, I, I'm able to write and, t- and type things down and catalog and pull it back up and have things there, so I've written more this year, well, I've written as much, but I actually write more with it than I was writing before, what God speaks, what it reveals, and you're there, and the Spirit of God just starts revealing things to you, it's powerful. When there is a dialogue, not a monologue. Think about it. Listening to his voice, hear me. These last few statements are important. Listening to his voice is the secret to the assurance that he will listen to mine. People have asked me, Pastor, how can I know that God hears my prayer? Let me ask you this. Do you hear his voice? Do you hear his voice? Listening to his voice assures me that he will hear mine. Many may not understand this, but his hearing my prayer, God hearing my prayer, your prayer, is dependent upon my hearing his word. Amen. How are you at hearing the word? If his word is his voice, I can't separate him. Amen? Andrew Murray on prayer says, hey, Jesus is his word. How I receive him, his word determines how how I receive the word determines how I receive Jesus. When Jesus says, if my words abide in you, if I abide in you, they're the same thing. He has to live in me. Literally be that life within me. But hearing his prayer His hearing my prayer is dependent upon my hearing his word. In other words, the entrance that his word finds within me will be the measure of the power of my words with him. How do I judge that? What influence does the word of God have on our life? Amen. And I said it earlier. Sometimes we're just consulting too much with flesh and blood. We're listening too much to the voices that are around us today instead of just consulting with the word. Living by the word. Praise the Lord. Amen. What God's word is to me is the measure and the test of what he himself is to me. And of the uprightness of my desire and prayer towards him. John 15, 7, Jesus said it. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want. How many know the word will always Keep your asking in line. Amen. And it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings glory to my Father. Jesus plainly declares that the precursor to to bearing fruit that brings glory to the Father is His our abiding in Him and His Word abiding in us because the Lord is His Word. His Word abiding in us is the same as him abiding. As I close, that brings us to the law of reciprocity that says that if I give entrance to his word, my words will have entrance to him. Listen to what Jesus said, the law of reciprocity. 
This is it. If my words abide in you, and you abide in me, then you will ask what you will, and it will be done for you. The law of reciprocity. You say, Pastor, what's your vision for 2015? Just that. I want to care. Amen? I'm going to pray. And I'm going to learn how to live and walk in the law of reciprocity by faith. Amen? Putting God's word to prove my life. You can set your chart for your own life. I'm just sharing what God's doing to me. Hallelujah. When we define our life in Christ by truly knowing Him and allowing His Word to have true abiding entrance into our life for more than just what I can receive. Amen. I'm so thankful for everything God's done. I sat out last night before I went to bed. We have a small but nice little backyard. I sit there. We have this little fire ring. I said, God, it's a, I'm sitting outside. It's fire. It should be raining in January, but I'm having a campfire. Amen. I'm thankful. Thankful for everything he does for me. But I'm praying, God, how do you want to work through me for others? And all I know that everything that's come into Sue's life and mine has been because of the last 36 years we've given our life to live for God for others. Every benefit, every blessing we have is just we just live thinking about how to help and serve others. You can do that and God will bless you and your life will be full. So if I do that for more than just what I can receive, to love Him for who He is more than for what He will do, then truly. You know, there's a lot, of, there's a question that comes up a lot today. What do I get out of it? Well, wrong question. What do I want God to do through me? To love Him for more than what He will do, then He will truly add all things to our life. Close with this scripture, Matthew 6. Jesus said it like this. Therefore, don't worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? For what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. He's saying, hey, don't be like that. Don't be like America, guys. Church, don't be like America. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But what? Seek first the kingdom, and all these things will be added to you. Seek first to care, to connect, to be aware to get the resource of heaven to somebody else's life. God will make sure you get everything you desire. Amen? Bow your heads.